Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, one of my board members today, a wonderful lady named Stephanie Berg. Uh, She's both an attorney and a naturopathic doctor licensed in California. Uh, She received her law degree from Stanford Law School and then a naturopathic medicine degree from Bestier University, California and a Bachelor of Arts from Princeton University. So I'm going to find out, you know, the law part, where did that come from? And then the naturopathic doctor part, where did that come from? So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Tell me a bit about your background. Was was law your first love or was uh, medicine your first love? Like, how did you get to where you are? I went to law school right after graduating from college, and I quickly learned in law school that I'm not a litigator, and that was not my passion. But I loved uh, working with contracts and businesses and doing transactional law. So I quickly learned that was my passion and did that for about six years at both law firms and then worked as in-house counsel for a financial advising company in Los Angeles. And through my own health journey, discovered naturopathic medicine and just got it in my head that that was exactly what I wanted to do and uh, ended up Going back to school, went to had to do a year of post back pre med work, um, which I didn't do in undergrad because I was focused on law and uh, so didn't do pre med stuff. So I did that and then um, ended up doing my four years at Best Year in California. Um, so it was sort of a winding journey, but um, now I'm excited to be combining them, practicing law but working with my colleagues and naturopathic doctors, healthcare uh, providers of all kinds. Yeah. So the law portion is that defending. And working with uh, naturopathic and other alternative healthcare practitioners, or is it separate? Uh, right now, the law that that is what I'm doing, working with healthcare practitioners. Um, I don't do any mm-hmm. litigation, so no 
defense or prosecution, but I do only business transactional regulatory work. So that would be everything from helping people form their corporations or depending on what their business is, their LLCs, drafting patient forms, uh, drafting also mm. employment agreements, independent contractor agreements, um, really anything related to their business. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So keeping them from hopeful future liability. <laughs> Correct. That is my ultimate goal. That and huh. helping them grow their businesses with confidence. Because I feel like oftentimes once people have the legal boundaries and knowledge about or legal foundations and structure to their business, that it actually helps them confidently grow their business. Yeah. What are some of the issues that uh, naturopaths or I don't know if you deal with acupuncturists or, you know, other kinds of alternative medicine doctors, like what are the issues they face? Is it industry or sub-industry or specialization specific, or is there some general stuff that you could talk about? Uh, great question. It's a little bit of both. Uh, I think there are some overarching issues that all businesses deal with and, and healthcare practices, the, so things such as employment agreements or independent contractor arrangements. When is it appropriate to hire someone as an independent contractor versus an employee? You know, if you are hiring employees, what do you need to get from them? What are the steps? What do you need to do as an employer? Uh, so there are definitely certain things that are that are faced by all sorts of business owners. And then um, there, yes, there are certain practice specific things such as scope of practice, who can, like for naturopathic doctors in California, um, the scope is very specific. And, you know, naturopathic doctors, unfortunately, in California can't hire nurses and can't call themselves physicians. There are only certain types of procedures they can do. So uh, dealing they with- can't, they, they can't hire nurses? Why? I know it's all very political, <laughs> but no, unfortunately right now. Um, and the reason for that is because nurses can only uh, in California can only take, uh, can only be supervised by physicians and under the nursing mm. act. And so in, and in California, naturopathic doctors cannot refer to themselves as physicians. So it's really just a very political thing. And, and every year the mm. naturopathic doctors association of California goes into the legislature to try to increase our scope. So, you know, see what happens. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. So uh, scope of work, I, you know, like I'll go to a chiropractor and, you know, they're not allowed to do surgeries. They're not allowed to like put their finger in your mouth to adjust, you know, stuff in your mouth for the most part, what I've heard. Um, so I guess scope is very important. What are some of the interesting or important limits of scope that various practitioners have? Yeah, scope is very important. Uh, uh, and Really, I try to explain to people that it's important because the each state has a desire to or a goal and also a goal and desire to protect the consumers within their state. And so they decide and determine who has the right, uh, whether we like it or not, who has the sufficient skill and education and training and qualifications to treat people and do certain things, certain treatments and procedures. And so, as you noted, you know, it, like chiropractors, there are certain limits on what they can do. I'm most familiar with California. So, you know, familiar with what chiropractors can do and mm, nurse, okay. nurse practitioners and Indies and all of the mid-level practitioners versus what medical doctors can do. Um, and scope of practice is really important, especially with integrative practitioners or integrative healthcare offices where you have lots of different practitioners working together. And, you know, some people may get comfortable and, uh, do things that maybe are outside of scope. And so it's very important in those sorts of situations to make sure everyone knows what their role is and stays within their scope of practice to avoid any unlicensed practice issues. So how is your time divided? How much lawyering are you doing versus uh, practicing yourself as an ND? 
Oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I no longer am practicing as an Indie, just full-time lawyering, um, which I actually okay. love. I decided I wanted to do the lawyering very well, and I felt like medicine and law are both full-time professions. And, oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, so it was, it was just too much to divide my time, but I actually feel like uh, the I'm helping naturopathic medicine or helping um, integrative health care practitioners and helping people more through using my legal skills than I was as a, as a new baby doctor, uh, as, as I'm sure you are very familiar because you work with other lawyers, but there's a lot of on the job learning and my mm. now eight years, I mean, I took a little hiatus going to naturopathic medical school. So I guess it would have been uh, 13 years of practice as a lawyer, but I did practice a little bit while I was in law school. But so let's say my eight-ish years practicing full-time as a lawyer, I, I feel a lot more confident with my legal skills than my naturopathic medicine skills. Because you have your uh, naturopathic doctor credentials, how does that help you with the law portion? I'm sure there's oh. other lawyers out there that are healthcare lawyers or you know do what you do, but they don't have your background. So what benefits do you think it gives you? Um, I feel like I actually speak the same language as my clients. So they can tell me exactly what types of procedures they're doing or how their office is working and, or what their goals are in terms of starting an online business or, you know, working with patients. And there's no extra background research on my part needed. I pretty much know and understand who they are, what they're doing, and I speak their language. So I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of a translator between the legalese and the doctor speak. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now, back to the show. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm sure that's a, that's a major help to you getting business because, uh, you know, if I was a healthcare practitioner and I saw that you also had that degree, I'd be like, wow, that's great. And I would assume, again, you'd understand me a lot better. I, I love it. And I, I feel very grateful, truly, to be able to, to do this and love my clients. I mean, it's every day getting to work with people that I, my colleagues, really, and friends in school and, and meeting new doctors of all sorts and all types of different people. So it's, uh, I am truly very grateful to be able to do this. Yeah, no, that's great. So what, uh, what issues do you see are happening, you know, now or over the past unfortunate, you know, a year and a half? all the craziness going on, what, what's changed with uh, the alternative healthcare profession? Well, I think telemedicine was something that was all right. I mean, obviously it was already uh, in place, but certainly over the last two years has, has really skyrocketed. And most every healthcare professional now has some familiarity and or extensive familiarity and experience with telemedicine. And I, uh, that was actually one of my focus areas when I was in school learning the law about telemedicine because it was an area I, for myself, just if I was going to practice, thought would be important. So telemedicine is one of my specialties. And I talk to a lot of people about that. Naturopathic doctors, one of my main uh, clientele, uh, have a little bit of a different 
situation when it comes to telemedicine, simply because naturopathic doctors are not licensed in every state. So the, the basic rule of telemedicine is that you need to be licensed in the state where the patient is located at the time of the visit. So for acupuncturists and MDs, nurse practitioners, they have the ability to get licensed in every state. But uh, when I work with my indie clients, uh, it's a little bit of a different situation. So I, I guess to answer your question, um, telemedicine and we're moving online, doing educate group education courses and programs. This is, these are the things that have really uh, picked up since over the last year and a half or two years. Yeah, telemedicine just didn't make sense. The old rules. I don't know. It just seemed like you couldn't go out of state and you couldn't do this. I know they. It seems like they've loosened a lot of restrictions, but what were the old restrictions and what are they now? Well, actually, they haven't really loosened uh, the restrictions very much. They really the law still is you need to be licensed in the state where the patient's located. But the the various executive orders that were issued by certain states when COVID hit, or you know, in in April, March, April of last of twenty twenty, uh, they're very specific, and a lot of them just provide waivers for certain healthcare professionals who were not licensed in the state to come in and work to in a hospital to provide treatment for COVID or have certain you know, lesser requirements to get a license in the state, but really didn't, they really didn't open up the laws in any way with respect to licensure. Uh, What did happen is CMS lessened the requirements for Medicare to pay for telemedicine. So prior to COVID, uh, the person had to be in a rural area and the patient had to be in a rural rural area and had, and, you know, had to be in a specific location. They had to be in the same state as the doctor in order for Medicare to pay for telemedicine. And CMS said, okay, no, we're, we're going to get rid of that requirement. Uh, we'll still pay for it, even if you're not located in the same state and if you're not in a rural area. But they, the state licensure laws still apply. So the doctor still needs to be licensed in the state where the patient's located. And the federal government wasn't able to, they're not able to override the state licensure laws. Uh, hopefully, you know, there have been some movements to change the law. So it's the law where the doctor is licensed that applies, but uh, that didn't go anywhere because it's really just all about consumer protection. So the states have the right to control and determine who's qualified to treat people uh, within their borders. So right now, you know, it's um, really just that ultimately if you wanted to see people or if a practitioner who's licensed wants to treat people in a state outside of where they're licensed, they should uh, most likely apply for a licensure in another state. There's there are efforts underway to make it a lot easier for people to apply for multiple licenses, but it'll be interesting okay. how it changes over the years. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So what, um, I don't know, what are some of the major forces going on? You know, we're near the end of 2021. What do you see the, again, the major forces in play for alternative healthcare practitioners? What's happening to them lately? It's, I mean, it's interesting with the, you have to be somewhat careful about what you say online. That seems to be an issue for some alternative healthcare providers. Uh, you know, we see all the, the vaccine mandates. So that's certainly an issue that's coming up in the various states with healthcare providers who've been on the first on the list of under mandates for required vaccination. So that's been a hot topic um, in the various, various states. And then, you know, I think people are just continuing to to grow their businesses online. Some people are moving wholly online and uh, not even having in-care office setting anymore, just depending on what their specialty is. So I do see a lot of that. Well, some of them, I, you know, it'll be impossible to do that. You know, chiropractor, acupuncturist, you know, when you lay hands on exactly. people, but some of them, I guess you could, yeah. 
Just yeah, said. exactly. I don't know, going forward, do you see that more people are embracing alternative medicine or less? Or what's the dynamic? Is the, you know, if I just call it a profession as an umbrella, is it growing? Is it diminishing? What's changing with it? I think it's growing. And I think a lot of healthcare professionals are seeking uh, additional education in things like functional medicine and nutrition. I do feel like it's growing and I feel like consumers want more of that, you know, not just a pill for every ill, but really trying to get healthy from the inside out. So even, even though you're not a litigator and you don't deal with the, uh, you know, the negative consequences, um, you could still help a lot of alternative health practitioners to make sure they're doing everything by the book and they don't get themselves in trouble or at least reduce their risk exposure, right? Exactly. That is exactly what I do. Things like, you know, making sure they know what types of treatments are the most risky, uh, certain things like stem cells and exosomes, which the FDA says are illegal if they're not under an investigation of a new drug application. Doesn't mean that there aren't people out there doing it. So I really want to make sure that my clients understand, you know, what the risks are and what things are legal or within their scope, um, and then make sure they have all of the right informed consent documents, as well as understanding the need to give patients full informed consent about the risks and benefits of the treatments they're, they're recommending. So really, yes, my goal is to uh, keep them out of litigation from patients, malpractice suits help with uh, keep them out of litigation for employment matters, regulatory issues with both FTC, FDA, um, all of those things. And I, I actually do, I'll do a lot of work with the California Naturopathic Doctors Association as well, bi-weekly Facebook Lives, bi-monthly, to try to educate about what are the potential risks here and how to protect yourselves. Here are some legal issues to think about, trying to get the word out. If there is litigation, what kind of a lawyer would help an alternative healthcare practitioner? I, I say it because I would guess that, you know, there's probably a significant number of those type of people that listen to this podcast and have been on the podcast. So that's why I asked, you know, what, what do they do if they sense or they are getting themselves into legal trouble? What kind of a lawyer should they get? Um, depending on the legal trouble, it would be a defense attorney or a malpractice attorney who is really familiar with defending people in front of the medical boards, you know, the acupuncture board, the naturopathic board, the chiropractor board, as well as in, a, in court. So yeah, defense attorney, hopefully it wouldn't be a criminal matter, but if it is, then a criminal defense attorney. And uh, would I, I always recommend that anyone, any alternative healthcare provider has malpractice insurance. Oh, are you ever called in as co-counsel? Because again, like you said, the, you speak their language and it might make the interaction with the malpractice lawyer more fluid or help in preparation to defend oneself in front of a board? Yes, I, I have assisted, assisted, you know, just with the issue, naturopathic issues as counsel in that regard. So yes, that, that is certainly something I, I can do. Just don't, I would prefer my clients be represented in front of a court or board with, by someone who probably has more experience in defense litigation. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, very good. Um, so Stephanie, where's the best, you know, how can people reach you and find you if they need your help? Uh, where can they go? Uh, Stephanie, uh, stephaniebergalaw.com. And um, I can be reached at sberg at stephaniebergalaw.com. If they are members of the California Naturopathic Doctors Association, if there are any of those on here, or um, California Naturopathic Doctors, I'd encourage them to sign up for the CNDA and support uh, increase, you know, support the CNDA in, in uh, promoting naturopathic doctors and the naturopathic doctor scope. And in terms of what I do, like I mentioned, anything and everything related to your business as a healthcare provider, employment agreements, independent contract agreements, helping you set up 
any other contractual arrangements, management services agreements, patient forms, forming LLCs and professional corporations and patient programs, website documents and review. So any and all of that stuff to help keep you out of trouble is is my passion and love I love doing it, love working with healthcare providers and appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, and last thing, so Berg is B-E-R-G, right? Thank you, yes. Like iceberg without the ice. Okay, very good. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with you and uh, and working with you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.